Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I'm your host, Eric Hovind. This is the show where we help turn stumbling blocks that keep people from seeing Jesus as the Savior of the world into stepping stones so that people can understand exactly who God is. This is an interesting show because I'm getting to have another one of probably my favorite kinds of conversations. It's a conversation with an atheist. I'm here with Bill Cluck. He is the co-founder of the Atheist Christian Book Club with Dr. James Walker. I keep calling him doctor. He's not doctor, but with James Walker of Watchman Fellowship, he corrects me every time. He is an adjunct professor. Yeah, you're right. And, and an, an expert like, on Mormonism. And The guy needs it. I'm like, I'll give him the doctor degree. Okay, yeah, there. Can Let's, do that? We can do it together. Yeah, that'd be great. Bill is the atheist side of the Atheist Christian Book Club. And even though I think really inside he converted a long time ago, he still does it just to keep the club well, going. I was a former Christian at 17. See, that's hard for me. Former Christian. And let me tell you hard. the story. I went to well, First of all, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out with me, Bill. But I went to uh, Colonial Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina, and one of the guys said, Barn Herman's going to be at the Barnes & Noble. I went, who's Barn Herman? <laughs> so I went there, and within 30 minutes, I realized I didn't know anything about New Testament scholarship. So I read all his books. Uh, we've actually had him on the show. Yep. And, um, you know, it changed my life. So that's what, the, if you had to pick a defining moment that took you from, I think... I, at 17, you would have said you you were just taught that this was the word of God. Well, you would hardcore, have repeated yeah. You were hardcore. Oh yeah, fundamentalist. Witnessing we right everybody there. talking to sharing yeah. the gospel. You bet. Yeah. And and it was Bart Ehrman's book that made you go. It's That's not one of true. the things. Uh, that I was in the creation evolution class we had at Providence Baptist in Raleigh, North Carolina, and that uh, raised some questions too. So. Well, I, I, we got to walk through this and walk through this. Here's, here's one of the reasons that Bill has uh, intrigued me with the conversations we've had literally yeah. over a couple of months now mm -hmm. is you remind me of a more, can I call you an honest atheist, sure. uh, a little bit more willing to say, no, 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 we can't go that far. No, 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 they, you know, some people claim that, but we don't know. That's, well, I'm oh, not Richard a, Dawkins says that, that, yes, no, I'm not, yeah. you'll call people out. Don't read Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens. Read <laughs> Dale Allison. There's so many better people to read. Okay. Because they really don't know what they're talking about. Most atheists don't know what they're talking about. So, and they, there's good reasons, like Noah's Blood, for instance. It's a blended narrative with the P&J writers, but they don't know enough to articulate it or... So would you say if people just got a real education and just had the real facts, they'd land right where you're at? Not necessarily. No, absolutely not. Dale Allison, one of the top five scholars in America, is a Christian. And uh, I think he's an ordained minister. But so if there's anybody, he knows all this stuff. He knows all the criticism, form criticism. He knows the he admits the birth narratives are fiction that uh, the post, I asked him, uh, Rodomaeus, said historical, no, probably not. How about uh, fish fry at the Sea of Tiberias? Which he's, oh, no, it's probably not true. So fish fry, I love uh, it. it's like, uh, you can't be a Christian and look, and look at James awful. Walker, or my co-founder. He knows, it's he's like Muhammad. Brilliant. Remember that Muhammad Ali, George Foreman fight? <laughs> where George Foreman said, uh, or Muhammad I C said, George, is that all you got? And he goes, wow. that's about it. That's the way I feel of James. There's nothing more I can say to him. I showed him John Loftus's uh, The Christian Delusion. He's talked to Dale Ellison. We've had him on the show. You don't get any higher than Dale Ellison. Just water off a duck's back. Wow. But it seemed to impact your mind. It seemed to impact your who you are yeah, and what you believe. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so what is your... For, you know from a Christian perspective, I'd sit here and say, okay, well then... 
What is Bill's purpose in life? And I'd go down some of these roads to say on atheism, well, you know, how do you invent this? We, what, what we you... talked about the evolutionary argument against naturalism yes. by Alvin Plantica, where if we're evolved just to survive and it's kind of a random chance sort of thing, uh, not any plan, how in the world can we trust our brains? How can we trust our moral judgments? And Christians are right. And we had um, Frank Turk on the show and he wrote a book, Stealing from God. Yep. So he says atheists steal from Christian morality. And he has a good point because uh, we grew up in a Christian nation. We have Christian values. I had a huge Christian influence. So we can't help but be influenced by that. So existentially, it's a problem with how do we get our morals and values because we, you know, if we are about, we just are poor judges for morality or, you know, finding evidence out. So is it whoever can persuade the people the best and whoever is the strongest or whoever gets exactly. the yeah. most influence, their and morality ends up? Personally, you know, everybody loved Christopher Hitchens because he was so witty. So a lot of times, you know, we've done studies is the more attractive people they, they listen to and believe more. Right. So there's all sorts of these biases. It's called confirmation bias, where we tend to confirm are things we believe in and want to believe, but we're bad at disconfirming evidence, looking for disconfirming evidence that's against our beliefs. And that's the key is to go and read the other side. Uh, look at the books that are against your point. Like um, Stephen Meyer we were talking about. Right, One his of the, new the Return of the God Hypothesis. Great book, and he discusses the DNA enigma, which is a real problem. The beginning of life, the origin of life is a huge problem for us because you have the chirality problem with these amino acids have to all be left-handed. Left yep. And you have the enzymes. Well, if you don't have those, these reactions aren't gonna work out yeah. a lot of times. So, but it's a protein. So how do you get the DNA to make the protein? And DNA is a protein. And how do you just get it even off the ground? See what I mean about he's a little bit more honest on, on we got problems. I'm tempted to say, just start listening to some of the more problems you guys have. You got, you got a problem coming up with morality. Ooh. You got a problem coming up with light. Oh, you got absolutely. A problem yeah. coming up with, do, do you do you see the problem with coming up with a universe in the first place? Like where did everything come from? Oh, Huge absolutely. Problem. I was just reading today about uh, the strong nuclear force. If you don't have, well, you know, protons, you know, opposites repel each other. Right. But in the nucleus of the atom, they actually are tight because of the strong nuclear force. And it holds the, the electrons, the quarks, or not the electrons, but the quarks inside the protons and stuff, the up and down yep. quarks and so forth. So just from the get-go, you've got a huge problem. Um, also- I love hearing this. One of the huge other problems is right from the beginning, the singularity expands, you have inflation where it expands really quickly. And we can wind, you know, the universe is expanding more rapidly as it goes out. But if you wind it back, you can get to, they say you get to the first minute. And so here's the problem, is when the universe expands, uh, if it goes too fast, then galaxies will form, which means we right. will form Earth's form. <laughs> if it goes too slow, if that cosmological constant isn't just right, and the mass isn't just right, then it's gonna just collapse, collapse into a black hole. So right. right from the very start, You've got this expansion rate that has to be precisely fine-tuned, as does these other things like the gravitational constant, 10 to the 60th. That's is how fine-tuned. Oh, and the uh, cosmic, one, yes, yeah. it's like a doll on a radio where right. it cannot go. And Luke Barnes said that if these things aren't right, you'll just have protons floating in the universe. 
if so. you could even get protons. I mean, even protons would be... Yeah, how do they come here? Right. I mean, if amino acids, like to, to start with amino acids, and you got to have them all left-handed, and you got to have at least 20 in a row all left-handed. Or different combinations, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. And these proteins have to be folded certain ways, too. It just, it's one problem after another. So why does that, when you look, I mean, I look at Romans 1, and you know this passage, they are going to be willingly ignorant. You know what my dad says on that, dumb on purpose. I, to hear you say that and then go, yeah, but no, I, 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 I still don't reject, I still reject the Bible. I still reject God. Oh, I, no, not, I don't reject, the Bible has a lot of history in it. Okay. I mean, you don't have to go any further than Mark 6. Or, or remember when they, Jesus' family says, hey, you know, we got to get you back here. And he couldn't do any miracle in his own homeland. Now, why would he say that? I mean, that's embarrassing. And that's how we know that the Gospels, to a certain extent, are historical. And that one of the, John Dominic Crossan, one of the big Christian, he's a Christian, which is kind of weird. But anyway, he says there's two things which we can know historically. Number one, that Jesus was baptized by John. The reason is the criteria of embarrassment. Why would Jesus be baptizing, or John be baptizing Jesus? Jesus it yeah. should be the other way around. And in fact, Matthew corrects it and says, wow, this is a problem. I, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoe. So wow. he tries to correct it. So that's one criteria. Multiple attestation. We have uh, Matthew, Luke, you have the synoptics and John kind of yep. on left field. But we also have Q. You know, are you familiar with Q, right? A little bit. That, I haven't done from as the much. German Kell. New Testament scholarship is not my forte. It's but. from the German Kell, the uh, source in German. And it's an unwritten source, but it seems like Matthew and Luke are drawing from what this. What do you mean by unwritten source? We don't have a, it's not, we don't have oh, a copy. Oh, it's sourced, but we don't have a copy. Okay, yeah, okay. in other yeah, words, it was written year, uh, probably 20 yeah. years before the Gospels, Matthew right. and Luke. So you have Mark here, and Matthew and Luke are pulling from this other thing, and we call it Q. Now, okay. a lot of people don't believe in Q, but some really good scholars do. But it doesn't matter. Matthew and Luke have their own sources, the M source and the L source. So um, Matthew, like the Sermon on the Mount, we don't see that in Mark. The post-resurrection appearances, birth narratives. There's no birth narrative in Mark. It starts out with Jesus' baptism. So Matthew and Luke have contradictory birth narratives. Now, these contradictions and so forth, a lot of times they you know, can kind of make it more credible because if they were making it up, just now Matthew and Luke do copy a lot of Mark, but to give an example, like I went to Branson, Missouri and saw Jesus, you know, the show <laughs> at the Sight and Sound Theater. And you, that's, that's, a, that's a video you ought to do right there, the atheist who saw Jesus. Oh yeah, well that, we that's a good talked to Dale about it. And uh, in Mark, you have Jesus walking on the water. In Matthew, you have Jesus walking the water, but remember Peter goes yep, and well. he has a million sermons about he yep. lost faith, but Jesus helped him. So there's two different accounts, but they're not necessarily contradictory. Right. And it all it kind of adds a little of verisimilitude to it. You know? So you know somebody would say Jesus no I mean, I mean atheists that are like, oh, Jesus is a myth. No, you, it's not. You would, yeah. You would, yeah. No, he certainly existed, as Bart Ehrman says in his book, Did Jesus Exist? Um and for the reasons I outlined, multiplication and the criteria of dissimilarity, where if it sounds too Christian, it probably didn't come from Jesus. If it doesn't sound Christian, then Jesus probably spoke it. And he, sh he spoke in aphorisms, like given to Caesars, what right. is Caesars? Well, that's probably authentic. That probably goes back to Jesus. Uh. But we, as Scott, we tease this stuff out. We don't, 
Don't just say, oh, well, he said that. Yeah, like the whole Gospel of John, these long statements, I am the vine, you are the branches. We probably believe they didn't come from Jesus. Mm. How, how has this affected your personal life? When you went from 17 being... Well, I, I was a Christian until like 45 or so. Oh, to, okay. So, yeah, oh, yeah, wow. So it's been 20 years. Uh, Bart Ehrman got me off on the wrong track. But he got you off on the wrong track back at 17. Yeah. Oh, no, no. At 45. Oh, at 45. So I was okay. a fundamentalist Christian to 45 or so. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So oh, now, 45. The other thing, by the way, we know why Jesus existed is he was crucified. John Dominic Crossan says, if anything's historical, that is. And remember they had... Uh, what did they have on his epitaph? Son of God. Uh, uh, when Caesar said, I've written, or yeah, he said, I've written what I've written. Uh, oh, King of the, the Jews. King of the King Jews. Jews. Yeah, yeah. If Christians made it up, they would have been Lord of No, it would Lord of the Lord, King of the Kings. Something you know. else, yeah. So that's just a little tip off that we're probably dealing with something very historical. Okay. How did your life change from 45? Was it a, how, how long did the process take? Uh, we call it deconversion now when people deconvert. How long did that process take for you? Well, it was a gradual, and it's sometimes I wake up and I go, how in the world did I get here as an atheist? I mean, yeah. It just, it boggles my mind. I mean, it's like, was it a book I read? Well, obviously, we have all these influences. As atheists, we have our own biases. Right. So we're not, you know, we don't know all knowledge. We don't have a bird's eye view, like the what's called the horizon problem, where we can see all the things happening. We just have a little bit of uh, knowledge. So that's biased. Right. Between books, things you read, things you watched, um, is there, I mean, here, I'm sorry, I'm having a private conversation on, you know, on, on, on camera, but is there anything that you say, you know, I kind of, there's something in me that wanted this. Or as you like Paul Inns would say, uh, another atheist friend of mine, Paul Gia, you know, yeah, yeah. he would guy. say, yeah, you know, there were, it's not like everything was perfect in my life, but it wasn't like I was trying to go out and sin. I mean, and if you say, hey, next subject, I'll move on. But uh, is oh, no, that, there, there's a lot like, of sin in my life. So, uh, you know, that's a good is. point. <laughs> now, give me an example. Um, there's a guy in our book club. You need to talk to him. Ken Daniels wrote okay. a book. I believe he was a missionary to Africa. And he go, well, do you want the cool part of Africa? No, no give me the hottest part. I mean, this guy. He's hardcore. Hardcore. But he's a member of our book club. He became an atheist. But you can't really say... He's, it's because of at least sexual sin, because he said, Bill, I've never kissed a girl besides my wife. So there is a guy, and he's extremely monogamous and faithful. So it's all over the mat. You know? Right, so. right. But so there's nothing in you that went, I don't want this. You would say right now you're in the pursuit of finding out what truth is and going, I will follow that even if even if it makes me uncomfortable and even if I have to reject Absolutely. Well, like the fine tuning is a great evidence. It, it seems to imply God and a creator. But, um, you know, it's just I have to look at all the evidence. So what is the evidence that make you go, despite the fine-tuning, despite the crucifixion, despite, 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 I, I just I can't cross that bridge and say that, I, I mean, would you say, when you think about it, would you say, man, I'm a sinner, I'm, I, I, I need a savior, I, I, I understand that, I'm not perfect. Oh, obviously, yeah, I'm not perfect, yeah, of course, yeah. But even, I mean, even now as an atheist, or would you say as an atheist, there is no sin. There's no such. I mean, I, I'm not even going to be judged. So why would I call myself a sinner? Why would I even apply those labels? Would you Would you go so far as to say what I do doesn't really matter? Because if atheism is true, it does not matter. If you rip a guy off in your business, it doesn't really matter. Like, would you go that far? Would you say no? I, I, man, I, I, I would need somebody to like. 
Well, there's two different worlds of thought here. Oh yeah, there's definitely morality, and the, the atheists, you know, would say that it's a a collective thing that our culture and you know our community have come up with, it, right? And their thing is flourishing. So obviously, right. we we all well not all we don't say why, but yeah, just but people want people to flourish mostly, you know, and I want what's best for people. You know, I, I try to get them into swimming and pickleball, and uh, hopefully we can play sometime and do that. But that's a very positive thing, so I like to do positive things. Okay. You, know. you guys had Bart Ehrman on the show, and you really love Dale Allison. Um, well, and, so does Paula Gia. He's yeah. got a love affair going with Dale Allison, boy. <laughs> it's like, you're an atheist, and you're just like, let me give an example of uh, one of the problems with the New Testament. You said, can we trust the Bible? Okay. Yes and no. Um, in Matthew, how does Jesus, Judas die? He dies by hanging, hanging himself. himself. In Acts, he falls off a cliff and right. his guts spill up. So I told this to Dale Ellison. He goes, oh, there's a third one. And I went, really? really? A third story. He goes, oh, yeah, Papias has him run off, run over by a wheelbarrow. So did he hang himself, guts spill up, and ran over? You know, don't try to reconcile them. Just embrace the tension. And, and they have things in common, like the field of blood, the 30 pieces of so there's some history there, it seems like, but there's also some legendary embellishment. So just accept it and embrace it and you'll be fine. What are your thoughts on Christians who say, I believe the Bible, but I also, I accept the evolution worldview. How does- Well, how do you, you hit it right on the money when you said that just doesn't work for atheists or Christians. If you accept the evolutionary view, it's totally contradictory <laughs> to the Bible. It's special creation where they were, uh, man was created complete. And there wasn't a common ancestor. We don't believe we come from apes. We, uh, Us and chimpanzees have, have a, a common, common ancestor six million years ago. Now, you have problems with, uh, like it was creation evolution class, I took that 65 million years ago, we have the first Australopithecine, okay? Then six million years, no, six million years ago, we see the first Australopithecine where we begin to get to come the homo species. Yes. Yeah, more, yeah. 65 million years ago, the dinosaurs died out. So obviously we got a problem with uh, the first chapter of Genesis um, where it talks about them exist being created at the same, same time. time. But atheists also have a problem because the fresh dinosaur blood, where I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, sure. what is that doing there? And Mary Schweitzer, who isn't a Christian, discovered that. She would say she is. Oh she yeah, yeah. Would, she would a, say she's. A, she would say she's at an Assembly of God church. She's a believer. She believes in the she Bible. But she doesn't know the theology, but, as we know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's ultimately the thing. Knowing that you understand the theology of this, what would be your message to the people uh, that are right now trying to embrace evolution as the means and God as the agent? It's difficult because there's ev there's evidence on both sides. The Cambrian explosion, 540 million years ago where you had the major phyla, the arthropods, the mollusca, the echinoderms, these major phyla don't seem to have any precambrian precursors. So how in the world did they just kind of pop up? So that's an evidence for special creation. But you also have evidence for evolution. The best one is the endogenous retroviruses, which you've probably heard of. Yes. Where, why is that in these uh, like chimpanzees, lemurs, I think, and us. Why is it in all three seas? Why would God put those endogenous retroviruses there just for the heck of it? Um, it just seems to, and the vitamin C, when we lost our vitamin C. Ability to yeah. produce. And uh, what's his name? Uh, the Genome Project guy. Uh, anyway, Francis Collins. Collins, yeah. Yeah, he's an evolutionist. Biologus. He's yes, biologus. 
And I just I struggle with bi- like biologos is. You should I'm struggle with I'm it. Going, yeah. Guys, pick a side for crying yeah. out loud. There's yeah. there it seems like there's no real middle ground. Yeah. If you if you believe in evolution, you don't need God. Yeah. If you believe in God, you're not gonna you're not gonna the God of the Bible, I should say. Theism in general, I can understand those going together, but the God of the Bible certainly, in the pages of Scripture, he does not leave room for evolution. I don't think so. So, the ancient Hebrew Israelites that were slaves, Moses was raised son of a Pharaoh, who was very smart. Well, you know we don't believe in Moses. You don't believe he existed. No, of course not. No, it, the Old Testament doesn't get historical till David. Now, there's lots, like I said. Hang on, I've heard him ignoring Genesis 1 through 11. Oh, but no, like, no, Not no. even Moses? Of course not. Abraham, all those guys are fictional, especially Noah. Um, yeah, no, it, but so we, the, the we do have evidence of, for David. The lineage David. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Going yeah. all the way back to Adam. No, no. Well, it only look, goes back to Dave. Look at Luke. A lot of Christians don't know this. Luke has in his birth narrative, he's got it going back to Adam. He has Jesus' genealogy going right from the start. Matthew That's, has it going to Abraham, I think. Right. So why? How, how do we conclude? How do you think that Luke, who wrote that, was just like, yeah, he just trusted the fiction of the time? Of course, yeah. So Luke was writing oh, something and just trusted the fiction of the time. Yeah, of course. Where, why would they make up this story? Of a, of a savior that's going to come and die. Uh, oh, you mean Luke? Well, e- even even Old Testament talking about what? him coming. Oh Luke yeah, the talking pro- about it fulfilled that. What, why? They are pretty remarkable right now. Here's another yeah. evidence for Christianity. Uh, in Isaiah, it says that he would be buried by a rich man. So you can say, yeah, when in like say Zechariah, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And he goes, darn it, I forgot. I got to come in on a donkey, Peter. Get me a donkey, and I mean ASAP. So that he could have done. Right. But he you has, can't control who's going to bury you again. When you're die- dead, how would he know a rich man? And Joseph of Arimathea might be a historical person. He might have buried him in a, a his own rich man's tomb. You're such an enigma, Bill. You're such an enigma. To, to be able to say, I got all this, all this, all this. I'm like, you must be hanging on to a thread over here, especially if you're weighing it out. But it's like... If you're weighing it out, I'm like, how, how, it seems to me like that's the only logical thing your mind could be doing is weighing out, oh, I can't believe because of this. I should believe because yeah, of this. Yeah, exactly. So like, what is it that's like, is it just like tipping if, back if and forth? If you're not experiencing confusion, uncertainty, and doubt when it comes to the Bible, you're doing something wrong. Well, I'm certainly experiencing things that I don't understand, and I, I'm okay with that. That's, sure, that's fine. Yeah. So what do you do with the, with the argument of um, the, the, presuppositional, without the one who knows everything, you can't know anything. Can I walk you through that argument and then you tell me what you sure, said about yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. The argument is kind of simple. Uh, it starts off with this thought. Out of, if you could be wrong about something, can you claim that you know that it's true? No, of course not. Yeah, okay. You're wrong, so, you're wrong. Yeah. Well, you could be wrong. So you have the possibility. So if I said the speed limit on the road out front here of the office is 25 miles an hour, but I could be wrong. Do I know the speed limit if I say I could be wrong? Yeah, sure. Do I know it? But if, if I say I could be wrong, can I also claim that I know what it is? Probably, yeah. You can claim that you know. Yeah. Right, but then I say, hey, it's 25, but I could be wrong. Sure. If I add the I could be wrong, do I know what the speed limit is? Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Probably not, yeah. Right, yeah. I, I can't claim that I know it if I also and claim I could be wrong. before we start, let me tell yeah. something. This is all knowledge. This is how much I know. Okay. You can fill libraries with what I don't know. So, right. Well, that's where I'm going. Okay, out of all the knowledge in the universe, everything, biology, chemistry, history, 
astronomy, women's brains, whew, out of everything there is to know, <laughs> how much knowledge do you have yet? Thomas that dot, said, yeah. Thomas Edison said, we don't know one millionth of 1% of oh, everything. Yeah. So I'd say the dot is probably stretching. Well, and speaking of apologetics, which we both love, to really understand this, you've got to know Hebrew, Greek, paleontology, biology, which we discussed, cosmology. Uh, it just goes, there's lots of fields which you really need to be proficient in to understand this stuff. I think there is a simple logical answer that I want to get to. Sure. And I want to yes. get your thoughts on this. Um, if I were to ask you, is it possible that out of all the stuff you don't know, that something out there could prove wrong, that entire little bitty dot that you think that you do know, mm -hmm. is that possible? Oh, of course, yeah. So you could be wrong about that little oh, bit. Oh, of course, yeah. So that means you don't really, if you could be wrong, remember, you don't really know it. No, no. So you don't really even know that dot. No. So we really got to take that. No, I'm not certain about every, like Moses not existing. I don't, I don't know it. Sure, okay. I'm just trusting Israel Finkelstein, who wrote the Bible on earth, and trusting his. I'm trying, we trust a lot of things. So the point yeah. is, though, you could be wrong. Sure. About everything you think everything. you know. Yeah. Well, the problem is that leads us to what I call absurdity world. Right now, you're in absurdity world because your world is saying, I could be wrong about everything I think I know. Right. The problem is, that's a knowledge claim. Mm -hmm. To claim I could be wrong about everything is a claim that you know that you could be wrong about everything, which means you can't be wrong about everything. Right. So it's, it's you know, logic, it's, it's self-refuting. Mm -hmm. If I said, I don't believe in words, I wrote a book about it, I'll sign it and give it to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, does that make sense? I don't believe in words, it doesn't make sense, does it? Because I'm using words to explain I don't believe in words. So our choice is absurdity world, the only way out, and the best philosophers in the world have discovered there's only one way out. Either Bill, you would have to know everything so that you can't be wrong about something, because you do know things. The very statement, I don't know anything, is something that you know. So you do know things. The only way out is to either know everything or to know the one who does know everything. So you either, in order to know things, and you do know things, you either have to choose absurdity world to say, I don't know anything, and I know that I don't know anything, which is self-contradictory, or to say, you know what? There is somebody out there who does know everything, who has revealed truth to us. Mm -hmm. And I do know things, not because I know everything, because the one who does know everything has revealed that to me. Mm -hmm. So I always ask people, what, what are you choosing to live in? Absurdity world? Or the, there is somebody who knows everything. Where where would you put yourself? Absurdity world or there is somebody who knows everything? Well, I just live with the tension. So right there. Yeah. But there is no such thing as living inside the tension. I see what you're saying. You like, are either in absurdity world, you're saying, okay. I, I don't believe anything. I'm I, in absurdity world. Okay, so why? Because now you're saying you know that you're in absurdity world. Yeah. That's another thing that you claim to know even though you can't know anything. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not for sure even that. Right. So, you don't even know. Yeah. Right. So you can't know anything at all. Yet you're sitting here making tons of knowledge claims. You're talking to us. You're telling us all kinds Which of things. Which could be wrong. Yeah. Right. So if this were a debate and I were to do that tactic, if we were like sitting here on opposite yeah. sides, there's a mediator right here and you go to the mic, I go to the mic and I could simply say, could you be wrong about everything you think you know? And you say yes. And I go, ladies and gentlemen, the debate's over. My <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, so there, it's, it's an impossible, you can't get out of, if you're going to be in an absurdity world, you're claiming you know you're in an absurdity world, which means automatically you're back into the God world. Somebody has revealed something to you. Maybe. So, 
why not just go, look, it has to be here. It has to be, there has to be somebody that knows everything. Why not admit that? You could. So what's, why aren't you doing that? Um, I'm weighing out the evidence, yeah. But For example, how, how would you even weigh out the evidence if you can't know anything? Uh, you can't even weigh out the evidence if you don't know anything. I try to. You give me everything. Everything you look at, you're going to have to conclude. No matter what, no matter if you have all the evidence. If, if Moses showed up right here, you'd say, "Boy, was I wrong?" Yeah, of course. No, you'd say, "Yeah, I don't know." Yeah, I know. I know. Atheists say, "Oh, is this videotape? Can I trust this?" Right. One? But it, there's ways you could probably, you know. What's you, here's what bothers me is Christians. They say, "If I showed you, if we went, you know, the great Aaron Ra." Okay. Uh, it says that if you go back in time, you ask somebody, and I could show you Jesus died, and after 10 days, 20 days, he didn't rise again. Would you still believe? And they go, sure. Yeah, I'll still believe. So what I now, try I, to... To me, that is the linchpin. That's what Scripture says is the linchpin. I mean, no that's kidding. that's Second Corinthians. It's like, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, uh, so Second yes. Corinthians 4, if Jesus didn't uh, rise from the dead, everything is in vain. Yes. Everything is in vain. But see, Christians... All right, go to these hip churches now, and they're just trying to be cool, and they have their community groups, which is great, but they don't have the knowledge to act. They couldn't place Jesus in history if their life depended on it, and they don't care. That's what gets me. You care. Yes, That's why care. we have something in common, is we care about the evidence. We care whether it's true or false, where a lot of Christians and atheists don't. Some atheists just, you know, they had a bad experience, got right. down, and it's an emotional reaction. Absolutely. And I, I see the reason creation today exists, the reason James Walker does what he does with Watchmen Fellowship is because there's so much ignorance in the church. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of ignorance outside the church. Yeah, of course. And we're going, we just want to help educate people. Yeah. I want people to but understand you're doing a great job. truth. Like your uh, creationist uh, talk on progressive creationism. Oh, old creation trial. Yeah. yeah, you did a fantastic job. And we know this stuff. And it's interesting when I had Dale Allison, who's Mr. New Testament, yeah. okay? New Testament. Yeah. And I go, Dale, what do you think about uh, the death and disease before the fall? Because if you have this, why in the world did Jesus die? It impacts the atonement. And he goes, I haven't thought about that in decades. Well, go, see, that would be bothering me. Yeah. I am I am an expert in all this up here. Yeah. It's all about the resurrection of Christ and what happened after it. But I have no foundation for yeah. why Jesus Christ needed to die on the cross. He doesn't care, yeah. And he yeah. doesn't care. I guess. I mean, the thing is, wow. everybody, but PhD, they specialize in... in They're their, very niche in Yeah. Um, now, someone like William Lane Craig, he's, he's really sure. opening up uh, because he, he's looking at the cosmology. He's looking at the evolution argument. And so for we had James Tor on, and they were talking about that. But, you know... Uh, he wrote a book in Quest for the Historical Adam where he says that this is mytho history. Right. So, in a, to give an example, Noah's blood, which a lot of creationists talk about, and this is what's frustrating for me for atheists, is it's a blended narrative. It's the P writer, 6th century BC, before Christ, 6th century BC. The J writer, Yahwehist, J in German, 1000 BC. This is a blended narrative. Uh, the P writer has seven animals on board for the sacrifices and stuff. Uh, J writer has two. Uh, J forty days the flood lasts. Is P P writer one hundred and fifty. So if you don't know Hebrew, you can't understand this. Noah enters the ark three different times, but you got to know Hebrew. So we're not equipped to even understand this. So because I did a show with Dr. Jonathan Gibson, 
a Hebrew scholar at Westminster, Westminster uh, Theological Seminary, very Whatever. prestigious yeah. seminary, and uh, and and he's like, look, I when I read it, here I read real narrative, and he's he he is oh, a I Hebrew think they teacher, yeah, yeah, and scholar, and he's going. No, I, what they're saying about the, these, I see it where it does go together. And so I don't know how you'd answer that. I agree that with you. Yeah. Uh, the six days of creation. I believe they actually thought it was six. It had to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you can look at Exodus 20 where. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're just people like Hugh Ross are trying to cram millions of years in there to uh, do an exegetical gymnastics to go and uh, be concordant with science. Correct. So, With modern scientific yes, interpretation. Exactly. Not necessarily science. Would you agree then? Do you see how we talk about the historical science and there's operational science? Mm -hmm. And you go, yeah, you can't apply. Evolution is a historical science. It's not an operational science when we're trying to look back into one kind of animal changing to a different kind or speciation, real macroevolution. Would you agree that's more historical? It's not that we have evidence. We're just inferring it. We're inferring life from non-life. We're inferring... Animals changing to different kinds of animals, like completely different, uh, not just Well, and varieties. I have a problem with that. Let me give an example. Whale evolution, which is supposed to be one of the best evidences for evolution. You have Pachycetus, right. okay, who is a land-dwelling, look kind of like a calf or whatever. How in the world does that go to Amblycetus that has to have different kidneys to filter the water, different be underwater for, you know, a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the blowhole and all that. And they, they, you can show fossils where it transitions and stuff. And I, I get it. There's evidence for it. But is it conclusive? I don't know. I mean, are you just drawing lines up paper, you know? That's my big concern. Most of this stuff is drawings. It's lines on paper. Mm -hmm. When I think of Ernst Haeckel, who, who faked the embryology, faked the human embryo going through the stages of evolution in his drawings, uh, faked uh, life from non-life with his drawing. He was an artist. Drawings of his cells. Right 10 years after Louis Pasteur disproved spontaneous generation, he's doing drawings of cells saying these things will spontaneously generate, completely fabricating. And I'm like, I just can't help but feel like a lot of the evolutionary worldview is based on tons of frauds and fabrications. He's the one who drew the very first, um, Ernst Tegel drew the very first uh, ape man. Mm -hmm. It was a drawing. And it's the drawings, it's the lines on paper that seem to be doing the convincing, not the actual scientific findings. So when I was in Houston years ago, they go, we have to take down this exhibit of homo evolution uh, because we found new evidence. It's all it's all gone now. It. It's all. Well, I don't know if it's all, but they had to totally rework it. So you're going, my gosh, if I can't trust these guys, who am I going to trust? And, and how do you know what they put up now is reliable? Exactly. And it's not like me, David Berlinski. Uh, who's a genius. Oh yeah. my goodness. The guy is smart. He just doesn't see it. Yeah. It just, and like, um, what Stephen Meyer says, you have to have new genetic code to make these differences. And I, I get it. Like Dawkins says, if it's like a movie reel, it's just very slight modifications. And over the long run, you can't see it now. And I get them. I believe in millions of years. I get it. I just don't know if it's true or not. So you would say, I believe in the millions of years, you, would you say I even struggle with evolution? Like that? Oh, absolutely I do. Yeah, of course. Wow. I mean, like, well, evolution. Uh, right. Struggle yeah, with that. That's your best thing. And have yeah. you heard the, uh, what's that argument that it's basically how, how many genetic differences are there between an ape and a human? And it's not that 3%. We know there were way more than that. That was comparing similar DNA to DNA. 
And they looked at all the differences and said, let's just suppose, and it's, I forget how many million genetic differences are between ape and human, but it's millions. So millions here. And you go over an ape and human, suppose you had one beneficial uh, mutation every single generation, which we don't see, but it's one beneficial mutation every single generation all the way to a human. How long would that take? And they're going, well, just look, an average lifespan, let's put it at 10 years until they reproduce uh, just to go faster, even at 10 years per generation. The number of mutations that you would have to have, all positive, all walking toward humanity, would take more than the 13.8 billion years they say that the Earth, uh, that the universe has existed. Mm. Just to do that, one mm. mutation positive at a time. Mm -hmm. So unless you're saying, oh, there's a huge bulk of mutations that happened in this generation, and then there's a huge bulk of mutations that happened in this generation, now you're almost at punctuated equilibrium, mm. where there is no evidence of the transition, so it just happened. Mm -hmm. So to struggle with evolution, so really, it's, is it the millions of years that's keeping you? Is it like, no, I, I, I do believe in millions of years? Or is it the New Testament scholarship going, I question this that's keeping you? Well, it's lots of things. Like, now, you know, another, it's Archaeopteryx. You've heard of that. Yep. It's the reptile features and bird features. Well, that seems, you know, like a good transitional fossil. But is it just a bird with a few reptilian? I mean, what? Like we have today? I, I mean, mean, there's. I'm not a paleontologist. I'm not an avian, whatever. You know, the avian professor at UNC says it's a bird, case closed. So what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'm not an expert. So oh. doesn't that really come down to who do you trust? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Who do we trust? Sure. I'm watching Christians. I'm watching Andy Stanley recently come out in support of evolution. Wow. Which blows my mind. Sure. And I'm going, the question is, who do we trust? And I watched Andy Stanley several years ago start saying, listen, guys, it's not because the Bible says so. It's because John says so and because Luke says so and because Matthew says so. And he took it away from God speaking through John to people, took away the divine inspiration of the Word of God and said it's John recording what he saw, Matthew recording what he saw. And when this became a human book rather than a divine book, that's when these other things started happening. And now he's able to say, God, evolution is a part of Genesis and, you know, it's, it's how God made it. And so, but that comes down to who do we trust? Mm -hmm. And in Timothy, you know, these are, this is a inspired book. It is written by God through man. It is not written by man. It's written by God. To me, when I, when you start looking through that lens, it's the right lens to interpret the world. It's the way this what, what this calls itself is the inspired Word of God. And when you look at it through that lens, all of a sudden everything starts making sense. Mm -hmm. Sure. So is it a matter of who do you trust and, and why do you, why are you trusting who you're trusting? Yeah. Um, you know, like we were talking about, I talked to this fellow uh, who's on staff, Dan. And uh, I said, Dan, who do you trust, Bart, Dale, or Jesus? And he wrote an article saying, oh, gosh, of course <laughs> I trust Jesus. And I said... Well, I'm going to have to go with Dale, you know, I mean, uh, and the way we... So by you're the, taking Dale over Jesus. And let me tell you what. Okay. In Jesus scholarship, since Albert Schweitzer, the best way to understand Jesus, an apocalyptic now, prophet... Now, was he part of the Jesus seminar? No, no. Oh, okay. He has problems with it, I think. Okay. But, uh, and they're a little bit out in left field. Okay. Yes. So anyway, um, the best way to understand Jesus, apocalyptic prophet, thought the world was going to end. He was coming soon. Uh, he was going to right the wrong, throw out the Romans, 
the rich would be poor and the poor would be rich like the uh, Lazarus thing. Everything was going to be turned upside down, and it didn't happen. Now, Dale Allison says Jesus was wrong. So, wow, wow you're a Christian. You say he was wrong. Man, and you're the scholar. I'm not. I've got to really trust what you're saying. Now, there's another group, uh, John Dominic Crossan, who believes Jesus was a cynic. Not someone that's cynical about things, but lives off the lay of the land. There's a story of a guy, uh, one of the cynics was having a cup of water with his bowl, and he goes, and sees a kid who has no bowl. And he goes, you know, I got too many possessions. Get rid of that. I mean, these preachers today, <laughs> could you see them doing that? But anyway, that so nice. was he a cynic, according to John? Was he a social reformer, like Marcus Bork says? So when I was a Christian at, you know, 40, 27, whatever, I didn't have to address these questions. Now I have the gnosis and I know what the scholarship says. So I've got to tease it out and say, is he a cynic? Is he a social reformer? You know, is he a apocalyptic prophet? Which when we had Bart Ehrman on said, me and Dale Allison came to the same conclusion in different ways. So he's just an apocalyptic Prophet that we had a bad weekend in that was wrong. Yeah, yeah, and got killed. Rose from the dead, maybe. Um, Dale Allison, see, that's why we love him. Is he goes, he might have been the body might have been stolen because grave robbers was a fact that did happen. Now you could know what John Dominic Crossan said, right? Well, I don't know. I'm just imagining Roman guards would not have let grave robbers come and steal the body. That's that wouldn't well, have happened. Yeah, but that's obviously Matthew's. Um, uh, it's legendary embellishment. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he says he was probably just after he's crucified, thrown in a common grave and eaten by dogs. And that's what Bar Ehrman believes now, that it, there was no burial. There, there was no, no burial. No, that's why all. we have no body. Yeah. Well, and I, then, but I, I got to look at the other side. So yeah. uh, the guy out of Houston Baptist, um, Evans or something, I forgot his name. But anyway, that's the Christian side says, well, wait a minute. How would they steal the body? The grave robbers, he, he was buried like what, Saturday morning or what? Or no, Friday no, night. Fri yeah. Uh, yeah, and so no, by before before nightfall. Yeah, because yeah, of the Jewish nightfall. thing. Yeah. And he arose like Sunday or whatever. So there's not enough time probably. I mean, think anything could happen, but most likely he wasn't the body wasn't stolen by grave robbers, and he gave other evidence. So and what would you they didn't steal the body. Grave robbers didn't care about the body. Yeah, exactly. They cared they, about the possessions. Well, Grave robbery yeah, is about the, the, the jewelry and the things. It's not about bodies. It's so when I look at the Christian side, I go, well, I'm going to have to doubt you, Dale Allison. I mean, right. the great Dale right. Allison. Yeah. So wow. we're just lay people trying to figure this thing out, right? Wow. It's, uh, it's tough for me because I go, it seems to me like you got so much information on one side that would make you go, listen, even if Dale was right, I got plenty over here to make me go, I'm going to trust what God says over here. Mm -hmm. You know, you got a logical argument of you do know things, yet you're choosing to live in a world that says I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And yet you're trying to learn truth mm -hmm. in a world that says you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So the absurdity of all that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, existentially, it's very challenging, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got you got the, the moral issues. You got the, I because I go, I have said, if I truly believe what you believed, I would do whatever I want. I would just try not to get caught. Like, what? Wh why be better to humanity? Or, or maybe that is the best thing for humanity is me to find out how many people I can swindle and who I can take things from. And why not manipulate situations, build a pyramid scheme, do whatever I thought, you know, whatever came to my mind is the best. And 
So you have less money. Who cares in the grand scheme of things? Maybe, maybe me having more money is better than you having some of the money. Huh. I mean, so could be. I, I could very, I would very quickly go down a road that, that justified anything I wanted to do, well, knowing that I'm just chemicals that are an accident that arrange themselves by chance. You know, Dan Barker, when he wrote his book, after he became an atheist, said, oh, what do I do now? Because we always had pastors and, you know, higher ups guiding us, obviously, this The Bible, book. yeah. But now, boy, you're on your own. Yeah, so what do you do? It's like tough making these moral judgments. Like you said, what what do you do? You know, to I mean, I'd like to help people lose weight by, you know, just something active and yeah, pickleball and, and eating, you know, good things like I believe in chia seeds. In fact, <laughs> one of the simple things you can do, and I'll try to get people when I was trying to get people into kickboxing, I used to do which is really that's good. intense. Oh, wow. Intense. But um, I realized there's just some people that the people that didn't need it, like someone like yourself, uh, wanted to do it. We're like, oh, no, yeah, let's go. But and the people that needed it bad, the didn't want to do didn't, it. Just had no interest. I had a girl say, I'll go to the club with you, but I just want to sit in the hot tub. And I go, what? Well, that's kind of your reward, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the purpose is to kind of. You got to do the physical activity and, first. And, you know, just like debating Christians and stuff, it's like, like your dad. It's going to. I said, can't why not go and do New Testament or fine tuning, which is a good evidence for you guys. And it's why I'm just so involved in creation. And it's like, but when you do the same things over and over, you know, a dog, where did a dog go? A dog, you know, yeah. it's like you gotta change it up some. Wow. Well, I do believe we have the truth. I, I know we have the truth. And right, uh, right. and that's that's the thing for me is I I think uh, But you know what's funny is you told me something that with with my mom, Mary Jo, who I imagine is very Christian, right? Yeah. My mom, Jill? Yeah. Okay, yeah. What about her? Well, she might be kind of hardcore Christian. What do you think? My mom? Yeah. Yeah, she's a yeah, yeah. yeah. And you don't get any more hardcore than Kent, you know. Well. So uh, so you had these biases, as did I. Not as bad as you. Um, but growing up, we have all these biases. We have Christian radio, television, seminaries galore. And then you had that personal thing. Yeah. So do you see how you really didn't come to this where you're at alone. You had all these biases impinging on Oh, but at 18, I went on a journey to go. I I, I remember, I'm like, Ed, do I only believe this because this is what I've been taught? And that's fascinating. And yeah. I went on this journey to go, Is I want to know if it's really true. I'm not interested because I saw a lot of ignorance in the church. Mm -hmm. I saw, and that, that frustrates, it still frustrates me today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To, well, we don't know, but we just got faith. And it's as if faith is blind. Faith isn't blind. I don't believe this because I have no evidence. Right. And you have good evidence for yes. Christianity. It's not Mormonism. But I, exactly. Where there's no chance of it being true. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, pretty see, much. How do you say that with authority and live in absurdity world? I don't understand that. Sounds like you're living here. Well, but go ahead. But I, I did. I went on that journey to go, I, I don't know if what I've been taught is true. How That's do I fantastic. know if it's really true? And I'm like, with all I that bias, you were, you had an independence enough to go and. Yeah, and I think everybody that. should. That's why. Now, what did your dad say I, when you did that? Well, I don't know that I was as vocal with him about my, my doubts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know how that would have gone. After that dentist story. I mean, he, he would have, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm sure he would have listened, but it's, I, I just. I, I had to, I knew it's like, this is something I got to own. I got to find out if this is true. Absolutely. And that to me is probably one of my number one frustrations in church today. That's why I love doing youth events because there are a ton of kids growing up in church that are just, and this is what it's showing us, that are just the product of their environment. They're not really disciples of Jesus Christ. This is why 
it's more than 70% now, closer to 80% of kids who grew up in Christian homes and then attend a secular university will reject God. Why? Because they weren't really Christians to begin with. And I mean, that's what I would say the same about you. I'd say you actually discovered who you really are more than deconverting and saying, I was a Christian, because Jude says those that left us were never among us. I can't go from a position of Christ is my authority to now I'm going to be the authority because, Which know, is the way, way it goes. Yeah. And you're right, you'd have to Calvinists say, would not, agree with you, the P and the tulip, perseverance of the saints, yeah. says that exact same thing, that they were never Christians in the Well, even the logical conclusion of, if, if, if Christ is the Lord of my reasoning now as a Christian, you can never reason to the conclusion that I'm now sure. the, the Lord of my reasoning. So even from a logical perspective, it's not possible to say, I used to be a Christian and now I'm not. Now, I'll tell you, at 18 years old, if I would have died, I think I'd split hell wide open. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I truly got saved. Really? And there really was a radical difference in my life. I, re huh. I mean, I, my desire for righteousness was a desire to look good at school, to look good for my parents, for my family, to look good among my friends. And my I, I look back now and go, wow, what a difference. I was, trying, I was trying to be something because that's what I had been taught to be, rather than when you're truly born again, it's who you want to be. I want to please my creator. I want to serve Christ. And my desire for righteousness, because I had, man, I had my own little secret sins and I had my own stuff that I did. Now it's like, I don't want any of that. I, I, it, when it talks about becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus, Bill, that's really what happened to me. Mm -hmm. I, I, right. I, I, I got a real desire for righteousness. Mm -hmm. And I go, so if I were to say to you, just as a friend, go, okay, so really, Bill, I would say, it looks like God has given you time to go, hey, just so you know, you weren't a Christian. I want you to examine this stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's even a possibility in your life? Uh, well, I wasn't that great at witnessing to people. I, I heard your dad say he had this tent thing. And then someone comes in and he goes, okay, I'll be a Christian. And he goes, what do I do now? It's yeah. like, see, he got a kill the first The thing. first time? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I, I witnessed to my roommate. I witnessed to the people across the hall. I you know, tried and my roommate comes back in after witnessing to him for you know, months and he goes, I'm a Christian. Was it my stellar lifestyle? Because I was a pretty straightforward Christian yeah. guy. And I go, he goes, now, was it my deep knowledge of the Bible that, you know, convinced you? He goes, no, actually nothing you did had any impact at all. <laughs> he goes, wow. he, I said, well, what did he do right? The professor. Yeah. He, goes, he said he loved me. <laughs> so, Wow. I just wasn't very successful, uh, you know. Well, I don't know how witness. much success I've had. I, it's now something I track. I'd say, actually, if somebody says, oh, how well, people have been I saved. I can imagine I, a lot, I'd say, right? Well, I'd say none. I don't get to save anybody. I mean, oh, good. That's, that's a good Calvinist viewpoint. man. I mean, And no, see, if God. I would have had it's that. It's Calvinism or many. It's a God thing. It's I can't God. do I'm anything. If yeah. I had known that, I would have done so much better as a Christian because I had a dad who was in a wheelchair and he, his expectations were sky high wow. for me. So, and when I became Christian, it's the same thing. You have big expectations, big, you know, judgment on myself. And if you would have told me that, hey, Bill, you know, it's not you. I mean, you're part of it, but it's God ultimately that brings people to Christ. I would have been yeah. so much more relieved because I judged myself so harshly. It's yeah. interesting. That's why, that's why I try to allow the comments to go out on our, on our channels. When Facebook first came out, man, you know, you started getting these comment battles, and I'm sure you've been in those before. Oh, yeah. These, I'm just like, boy, I could just disable comments. I could just <laughs> ban these people, and I'm like, 
But no, I I want to encourage the conversation. I want Absolutely. to I want I want this to be a place where other people can come and 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 sharpen their faith. And and if if they're they think they're a Christian and an atheist convinces them they're not, I'm glad about that because right. I want them to know what real Christianity is. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not like I'm trying to protect their intellect and well this poor individual I got and I, I see a lot of churches doing that. Don't let questions come in because we don't we don't want people to question the I'm like You just hit on one of my favorite topics and what Here's my recommendation to the church. Is there was, uh, when Barman wrote the book, Misquoting Jesus, uh, there I read this quote where this girl goes, I just got to reading Misquoting Jesus. I'm done. My faith's gone. I'm finished. And I'm going, Misquoting Jesus is innocuous almost. It talks about some variants and so forth, which most don't, some of them affect doctors, but most, most of them don't are anything. You know, very meaningless and so forth. Now, if that, if that did it, then... It was a very strong faith. And here's what I'm recommending. And maybe I'll say it at the uh, conference I'm going into Tallahassee at the church I'm going to, is get the bad news out. Tell, hey, look, I want you to know about Barnum, about Miss Quinnage, about the variants. And then when they hear it, they go, oh, yeah, I know about those 500,000 variants. That the most consequential. And then they won't be blindsided. It's when you're saying there's no variants. Right. And there are some, then that's when they, that throws them for a loop. Or there's no contradictions like we just talked about Judas. Well, you know, Judas kind of gets you closer to Jesus because if he's historical, which we believe, then, you know, so yeah, embrace, you know, get those out to the young yeah. people. And who better to say than you? Cause you <laughs> well, I'm with that. I'm like, I don't want people to have a blind faith. I want them to understand the truth of scripture. But do you now, see what I'm saying? If yes. you tell them this, uh, get to, I want you all to know about Barham and what he says. Yeah. Uh, don't you think I they won't okay be blindsided? With, I am okay with people reading that. Now, I want them to hear the other side and the responses to Barnum that well, I think absolutely. are better. Yeah. But because otherwise it is a weak faith. It is. And, and, and we, that's not what Christianity has. Matter of fact, we, we want to do, I started this a long time ago, and I need to finish this. A, our curriculum, the apologetic curriculum, two years, is called unshakable faith. Oh, good name. Because that's what it really is. Right. It's an, it's, you can really have an unshakable faith. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, Bill, when are you going to bow the knee to Christ? Well, when you know what the Bible says. Uh, there's no options here. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue well, confess that Jesus is the Lord. Are you so, going to uh, bow before or after your death? I guess that's well, the question. Let's wait till after I talk Friday. And, uh, You're going to get saved after that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because okay. I'm the atheist part. Right, I, you I, got, don't think you don't it, ruin that I don't think it'd go too well. Drive if, uh, safe. <laughs> Can you see why I enjoy having a conversation with my friend Bill? By the way, you can check him out. You can enjoy, they can join the, the Atheist the Christian Book Atheist Club. Atheist Christian yeah. Book Club. You guys meet once and we a have month. YouTube uh, videos. And right. You can just go to YouTube and Atheist Christian yeah, Book Club. Yeah, and you'll see James it. Walker and you host it, and you can bring in speakers. So you'll get a lot. And that's what I love about James too. He's not afraid of like what's going to come against me. What's going? He's Man. like, let get the hardest book you can find. Let's cover this. I let's go. Know. Let's let's get the answers. He's that way. He yeah, is. He's amazing. amazing. And, you know, when I first met him, I was going to church and saying, hey, do you want to hear an atheist? And they're like, are you kidding me? Get the heck out. They didn't want anything to do with <laughs> Nothing. it. And I go to, yeah, I didn't actually meet him. I went to the book table and he goes, Bill, when can you come by? Let's go. I'd love, love to hear. I mean, totally opposite. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, talking about your dad, uh, Sean McDowell's dad, Josh yeah. McDowell. Yep. I mean, come on. Could you get any more biased than that? But he had the same experience. I don't know he, he did, yeah. And he said that, and there they had this, I think it's unbelievable. They had another fellow on, and he went to his dad and said, don't question. No, you know, and wow. but Sean's dad said, hey, let's Absolutely. talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I don't care what you look at. Let's figure this out together. Yeah, let's yeah. let's go do this. Or on your own. If you and don't want my help. Like today, you... I've learned things from you that, you know, are very informative. And, you know, hopefully you've learned some things and we can, you know, make a good decision. Yeah. Well, I, I've learned that you are living in absurdity rather than God. Uh, <laughs> I love that every knee shall bow. We did every knee shall bow. Oh man, that's something controversial. Thank you for taking time to hang out on your drive through. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Very, this has very been much. fantastic. I, I, I do, guys. If you don't have a good atheist friend that you can talk to, you need to find one. Okay, I'm telling you. I, but that that is part of the way. You are not the norm. Do you recognize that in the atheist world, you're not the norm? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's hard to find a good atheist friend that can really have these conversations with you, but man, find somebody and engage in these conversations. I tell people, if you want to know your faith, share it. Well, and there's so much stuff that's on your side. Jesus certainly existed. <laughs> He's a historical figure. And a lot, of, oh, we were talking about that. I had a girl, we went to our little atheist group and she goes, Jesus didn't exist. And I went, oh. yeah, he did. And I go, well, where did you get that? And he, she goes, from Richard Carey. I go, well, Rich Carey is a legitimate PhD, but he's kind of on the fringe. And he goes, well, he's peer-reviewed. I go, so? I mean, so it's a lot it's of It's nice to hear an atheist say peer-reviewed doesn't mean what and you think it means. The biggest thing, the fine-tuning, is uh, I, I've had people that had their own YouTube channels that have quit now, and they said fine-tuning. Is what did it for them. Yeah. They realized there's there no go. way it this is. could have just happened. Well, I, I don't know if they're that far, but well, even some of the big-time atheists, like Sean Carroll, if you look at his video, uh, God is not a great answer for Sutton, he admits, we use this in our talks, he admits that these constants, like the cosmotic, are 10 to the 120, are there for real. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah. yeah. So if Christians can learn how to articulate yeah, some of the basic uh, concepts of the four, you know, like the strong nuclear force, how These the expansion walls. rate of the universe. I mean, because a lot of atheists don't have a clue on wow. this stuff. I've always wondered on the expansion rate if that is strictly based on the Big Bang model. So you're still adopting an old Earth perspective yeah. in order to use that yeah. argument. And I've gone, I'm not going to use that one just because I believe, I mean, the Bible says 12 times God stretched out the heavens. I'm like, I think God did it. He did it at the right time. And he didn't need, just like when he created Adam, he didn't need the, the, the yeah. time for Adam to evolve. He just did it. But anyway. Well, anyway, it's been great. Love it. And thanks for having me in this wonderful looking for to Florida. Florida. Yeah, what I know, man. Nice you got to move over here, don't you? This I'm is, thinking about this it is after nice. hanging out at the beach and all that. <laughs> uh, guys, thanks for hanging out with me today and uh, hanging out with Bill. I, I, I do. I pray that you will find people to talk to and have great conversations and continue to learn your faith. I hope that this show is an encouragement and a discipleship to you as you're learning more about God, more about God's word and how to live in God's world. Have a blessed week.